You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Jamil Rivers, Chief Financial Officer of Education Works, a nonprofit organization focused on STEM education and workforce development. Jamil, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Before we get into the official interview, I have a question for you. What's a favorite New Year's tradition? Oh, wow. Fun New Year's traditions. We usually, I always have to get decked out. So I mm. think that's been a tradition where me, my sisters, my mom, and now I've pulled in my husband where, you know, we got to bring out the sparkle. So oh, I always fun. look forward to that. And even though we'll be quarantining this year, you know, and not going out, we still have to, you know, glam it up like we're a New Year's ball. <laughs> Bring out the bling. I love it. That may be something I have to take on too, just for a little bit of extra fun this year, regardless of whether or not we go out. Okay. Now we know that STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about what Education Works does in the STEM area and how? Well, everything from soup to nuts. So Education Works is one of the predominant nonprofits in Philadelphia. We've been around for over 20 years. And so we're focused on STEM education, but also workforce development in order for folks and students and people of color that are usually disenfranchised to have more opportunities and access to pursue those careers. And so we are in the K through 12 space inside the school. We're also in the 18 to 26 year olds, providing them with apprenticeships and fellowships and job training. And so we also provide college and career readiness and we provide support to teachers and professionals within the school as well. And so even now during this virtual learning space, we provide virtual learning opportunities and we're also providing support to teachers as far as professional development and virtual learning support for those essential workers that aren't able to stay home. We have access centers or we're providing that virtual learning support as well. Well, I think that's a great segue into the first official question, which is, who do you need to influence in your current role? Or perhaps a better question would be, who don't you need to influence? But let's stick with the original. Who do you need to influence as chief financial officer? Well, in my role, just making sure that everything as far as compliance and the fiscal accuracy and all of the financial aspects of the organization are handled and managed well, I have to, of course, influence my team, but I also have to engage very much so on the people that are on the ground engaging in the work, making sure that they understand what are the priorities of the finance team, making sure that everything is being reported accurately, and then making sure that they understand my needs and that finance and IT is meeting their needs. And then externally, it's making sure that organizations that we're partnering with or maybe providing us with funding are understanding, you know, what are the outcomes that we need to meet? What are the you know, just the settings and the financial budgeting and all of those aspects that go into each program, you know, so we have a multitude of programs that are running, 
but of course, various funders, different priorities, but making sure that they are in alignment and ensure the integrity of the programming that we're providing. And so we all, we're always focused on quality and making sure that we are meeting the needs of the organizations and students and participants that we're serving. And so making sure that everything is in aligned in that regard. So it's definitely a lot of engagement with understanding, you know, whatever the stakeholders' priorities are, but influencing them so that they understand that it has to be in alignment with the outcomes that we're trying to produce. Yes, I think you hit on a really important piece there, which is recognizing the needs of your audience and of, of their priorities. That's so critical. What's the biggest communication challenge that you or Education Works are facing today? I think now that everybody is working remotely, of course, we're operating safely, adhering to the Department of Health's guidelines. So how do we keep people engaged and motivated, understanding that they're going through challenging times, but understand that we also have to keep our team members accountable but making sure that we're providing them with the communication supports so that they can still continue to thrive and do their best work. I think that's what we've been, as leadership, we've been challenged to understand and make sure that we've always understood that people are motivated by different things and work and the best in different work styles. And so making sure that we're understanding about those differences and the challenges, but how to keep them engaged and how can we structure a lot of our meetings and a lot of our engagement opportunities now so that we're still pushing the work forward, that details are not being overlooked, but also making sure that we're being supportive to our team members in order for them to thrive and provide the best work possible. So it has been, you know, tweaking it and trying what works and then moving to and shifting if it isn't working in order to think of different opportunities to stay engaged with everyone who, you know, with all of our various programs, making sure that we're engaged with them so that they still feel connected to the organization and to also the work at hand. Yes, yes. What specific communication skills did you have to develop in order to get to the role of chief financial officer and be successful there? I think for me, being chief financial officer, once you become at this level of the organization, it's understanding how to explain financial aspects and audit outcomes and compliance and all of those things as far as accounting terminology in layman's terms or in terms that the programmatic or folks that are not really part of the finance team can still understand the importance of and understand the bottom line. So me, I'm moving forward and I'm pushing on this work and I'm pushing on this accountability. And how does it benefit that person to have this be a priority on their end as well? And so typically with the programmatic side, it's making them understand that if we manage our finances and our budgets appropriately and we operate on performance-based budgeting and we're making sure that we're compliant with all of the various audit outcomes, it makes us more attractive to funders in order to make sure that we can continue to fund these projects that they love to work on and then expanded opportunity for them to grow the mission, grow the organization. And so just explaining to them those aspects so that they understand, okay, this is not just me harping on them, you know, just for the sake of harping on them, but making sure that we are hitting those financial aspects that are important for us as an organization. But it also benefits them too, based off of them moving forward with the work and growing the organization and growing the impact that they're able to have with carrying out this work. 
What's an example of a mistake that you made or a lesson that you had to learn the hard way with regard to leadership communication? And if you could go back and have a do-over, what would you do differently? When I first learned this lesson, it was about 10 years ago and really wasn't satisfied with the performance of someone who was on my team. And instead of taking the opportunity to coach and provide that support, I just swooped in and took over. And I think my disappointment was taken to heart and I was so focused on the goal. I wasn't concerned about what their takeaway would be and what their motivation would be and how that would impact them to continue to stay engaged and connected to the team. And I was so focused on the goal, I wasn't focused on the team member. And I think, you know, that definitely took some time to then develop that relationship back up in order for that trust to be there and for them to believe that I had trust in their ability and their work in order to get the job done. Can you give us an example of like a little snippet from that conversation? What paraphrasing, of course, but in general, what kind of thing did come out and what should have been said instead? What would have been a better way to say it? Well, actually, that was the thing. I didn't communicate that I wasn't satisfied with Mm. their work. And I think that's also important to give that constant, direct, ongoing feedback to folks to make them understand what your expectations are. And he was really frank with me and said, you know what, you just have this way of showing your disappointment, even when it's unsaid. And the fact that you disregarded me and went around me to get it done, Mm. I felt that I was irrelevant, that I wasn't important. And I definitely felt that because that wasn't my intention. If you could go back to that original conversation, how would you have initiated the conversation with him to let him know verbally that there was an issue? Because with accounting, I would imagine it seems like, hey, it's just numbers. It's just black and white. It's not personal. It's right or it's wrong. Two plus two is not five. So let's fix it. But that doesn't necessarily translate quite the same in-person way. So how could you have started that conversation differently? I think instead of just going around him to do the work and get it done and me focus so much on the deadline, bring him in, maybe go to lunch or maybe just have a one-on-one away from the team per se and have that focus where we're meeting together one-on-one and we're talking about the project itself and to say, you know what, I see that this particular deliverable, we're going back and forth and it's still not at the standard. We still have some errors in this project. And instead of me taking over, you know, let's talk about what the challenge is here. Let's go through some of these issues within the report that we're still, you know, struggling to get to error-free, so to speak. And this is the timeline that we have. So let's work together to get it done. Yes. From there then, What's the next big goal for you, whether personally or for education works? And what communication skills will you need to develop from here to achieve that goal? I think for us, we're more so focused on, okay, how can we really expand our reach? And if you think about the ultimate why of what we're doing, it's to eliminate these disparities that we see in economic security and education. I mean, when you think about just how education can change one's life, I think about my personal story in particular because my grandparents, you know, my parents were raised in poverty, so to speak, Mm. and them having an education, they actually went to Temple University in Philadelphia, both of them. I got to have the benefit of that with that lifestyle where I had all types of access and not impacted by those issues of poverty. And so when you just think about it being a passport 
to that type of life that is really the American dream that we want, where you have access to good health, quality of life, and economic security. It's really so important. And so a lot of times we still have a lot of barriers in society where you just can't reach that particular access to that education or that opportunity even if you have the skill set and the wherewithal in order to thrive and be successful in that career, there's still so many barriers just to get through that door. And so we're thinking about how can we make it so that the day-to-day, everyday person, or even someone who's in their career and want to just supplement their skill set can access those educational opportunities with maybe certifications and credentials and micro-credentials and being able to tap into and supplement their skill set with new skills and credentials and certifications that will take them to that next step and how we can get away from the traditional. A lot of times, you know, just a good example, we are one of the biggest after-school providers in Philadelphia. And for a long time, it was, let's just keep these kids safe, right? But we were trying to think beyond that. We're thinking about how can we extend their learning and provide them with equitable education and opportunities that is the same as that we see in affluent districts. Mm. So it's, you know, the extended school day, it's a no-brainer at most of those affluent districts. They're already providing them with entrepreneurial opportunities. And we wanted to do the same thing with our students as well. And in order to do that, what kind of communication skills will you need to develop in order to help expand? For me, it's more so tying our financial picture and our financial goals and how that ties to the programming. So really being able to translate, what are we doing with this money? What are we doing with the funding? How does that translate to the outcomes that we're trying to reach? And then pulling in more partners, pulling in more stakeholders and pulling in more industries that could benefit from education works being involved and how they can, you know, they have this issue we can provide that solution and how do we translate that to them so that they can understand it. So it's more so understanding the motivation of all these various stakeholders and partners and how do we, you know, how do we translate that to them so they can understand and get it. That's such the keyword. I'm going to highlight that again for everybody out there. If you didn't hear, if you were zoning out for for any part of the last eight to 10 minutes or so, translate, translate, translate. They, I can't tell you how often I hear that from different people. I need to learn how to translate. I know this is my world. This is my expertise, but how to translate. Or I need this person on my team to be able to translate his or her expertise to, you know, from finance to R&D to sales to the board to whoever else. Translate, translate, translate. So thank you for reinforcing that, Jamil. Now, this brings us to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. This is your opportunity to talk directly to our audience and to challenge them to take one step that they can complete, just cross right off the list, in the next 24 hours so that they can have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I would say for them to have more influence, think about what it is that's keeping your boss up at night. Mm-hmm and come up with a solution for that problem and present it next meeting. Okay, so the first step, if nothing else, is to figure out what's keeping your boss up at night. Mm-hmm. That's really specific. And then you can work from there on figuring <laughs> yes. out how, and that's what we want. We want the specific, right? We don't want right. ambiguity. Think, I mean, granted, it's probably a pretty wide range of issues there, but look at the world through your boss's lenses and figure out what he or she is thinking about that's keeping them up at night. Right. And, and if you're the boss, what's keeping your investors? What's keeping your stakeholders up at night? and then present that next meeting and see how honing in on that, how that expands your influence. All right. 
The gauntlet has been thrown. You all have your assignments. Get ready for your homework over the night. Yes. Now, let's talk about executive presence, right? And how you look at and develop your team underneath you. We've talked so far about how you've developed. Now let's talk about how you develop others, which you've also alluded to in passing. When you think about things like executive presence, what does it mean to you? To me, I believe that executive presence is demonstrating that prowess and that ability to execute. And so meaning that people know that if they throw that ball your way, that it's going to hit the target. And so you're going to catch it and you're going to make sure that it reaches what it's going to the ultimate goal. And so that's what I think about when I think about executive presence. It's exhibiting that confidence, exhibiting that ability to get the job done. And people can pick up on that and understand that, you know what, this person is a leader. This person understands how to execute. And that's what executive presence means to me. Mm. What about when you're looking to hire or promote the confidence piece has to be there, of course. Let's look at two sides of the coin. With regard to that, tell me, in part of that interview or knowing the person, what are some of the most important communication skills that you look for? And what's a red flag that would potentially derail that opportunity for them? What's really important is someone that takes the time to communicate and has that ability to connect. So understanding no matter what role I have, how I'm going to engage in different aspects of this organization that I'm now trying to be a part of, everyone has a different motivation. What is that, you know, sweet spot that I need to hone in on? And if they have that ability to be able to communicate so that it makes sense to people at all levels of the organization and all motivations, that to me is definitely a skill set that It's definitely a standout where it makes you, if you're able to communicate and understand how to make sure that you're most effective with your work and what you're trying to get done, if you're able to um, have those different variations of communication, that to me is always a standout. It's impressive where I check off the box and I'm like, sure. "Hmm." (laughs) I think a turnoff where for us, well, definitely for me, I would say is if the person doesn't listen. So if I ask a question and you just go on a tangent and you didn't answer the question, that to me was the red flag for me that you're not a great listener Mm. or if you're dismissive. So if someone is dismissive of anyone, I think depending on their role or just thinking that that person isn't important or making assumptions about people, if they're dismissive, that's also a red flag for me. Right, right. Tell me about managing up. This is something that everybody works with. Right now you're at the top, so there's not a whole lot higher that you need to go. But others who are working for you, your direct reports will be even indirect reports, need to bring their ideas to you. So tell me about a time when somebody pitched an idea to you and it just fell flat. It just did not work. What should they have done differently? If it fell flat, they really didn't think about the implications or their view was too limited to understand why that wouldn't really work. And so I think in order to make sure that whatever it is that you're pitching makes sense, make sure that you've done the due diligence and that you understand, okay, once we go from A to B, then what about C and D? So making sure that, okay, yes, this might address this particular issue, but what are the implications across the board, whether it's cost or implementation or other users or whatever the issue is. But if you didn't factor in all the details, then that's probably the reason why it fell flat. Yes. 
Now, this brings us to our speed round. And these are three of the most common topics that regularly arise in my training and coaching with clients. So we're going to hit each one of them real quick. And I want you to give me first, in a single word or phrase, what your gut instinct is, because this is something that people tend to feel very strongly about A or B and set them as binaries, even though they may not necessarily be. And then I'll prompt you for a little bit of extra explanation. All right. So first, public speaking. Love it or hate it? I love it now. (laughs) Ah, interesting. Okay. So give us one tip for managing nerves and speaking with confidence, even maybe if you don't feel it, that helped you go from clearly at some point in the past not loving it to now loving it? Well, I think for me, I just wasn't involved with public speaking. And then as I got more involved with it, I realized that I think what works for me is if I don't have something memorized already. Mm. If it's something that I have to read or memorize, it's just not going to come across as authentic where it's going to provide a benefit to the people that are listening in. But if I'm just sharing my story, sharing my insights and just talking and speaking to them as if it's an intimate group, no matter how big the group is, I think that comes across as more authentic for me. Yes, yes. Now, what about the introversion, extroversion scale? Where do you fall on that? I'm in the middle. Interesting. (laughs) I think technically I am an extrovert, but I have noticed about myself that with me just being in front of so many people, speaking to so many people, having so many meetings, being involved with so many folks. And I also have, you know, three boys at home. And Mm. so, and I have a husband and they need my attention too. And then I know that for me, once I am exposed and around so many people and thoughts and ideas and people talking to me, I have to isolate at some point in order just to center myself and get back to me. (laughs) I would imagine a house of three boys, anybody, no matter how extroverted at some point just needs to go and and close the door and and (laughs) plug in, put your fingers in your ears, if nothing else for five minutes. Yeah. So that's definitely me where I just need to isolate afterwards, just maybe for an hour where it's like, yeah. So (laughs) and as an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert where you fall there in the middle, what's a natural strength of yours and what's an area that you realize you still have to work on? As an extrovert, I'm able to connect really quickly with anyone. So if I go into a room, I'm able to find something in common where I can make a friend. And I think that helps because if I'm able to connect with folks, then it's just like any friendship relationship. How can we help each other? Right. (laughs) And what's an area for growth? Right. So an area for growth for me, I think, is making pitches. I think, you know, I'm definitely the accounting, finance, Mm. numbers person. Pitching, marketing, that's definitely an area where I probably can develop more when you think about just being able to continue to rise and have more opportunities doing that marketing pitch or that sales pitch or all of that. I'm really great at connecting, but making that pitch and doing the ask is something else that I have to develop. Yes, yes. Finally, what about conflict? When faced, um, nobody likes it, but when faced with potential conflict or a difficult situation, difficult conversation, is your natural instinct, your DNA hardwiring to want to avoid it at all costs or to address it head on? No, I think I want to address it head on. I'm usually that person that is like, you know, let's have the conversation. Let's put it out there. Um, Always been that way. It's always like, you know, let's get to the root. You know, but I always think that conflicts, usually it's not due to any ill will. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, we're passionate, right? So let's, you know, get to the root of it. Let's 
get to the common ground of it and let's figure out how we all can be satisfied and affirmed and, you know, feeling like we're getting what we want with the collective goal. And so I try to, whenever there is conflict that happens, which it's going to happen in leadership, of course, you know, I try to focus on, okay, what is the complaint? What is the beef? Right. And let's get to (laughs) how everyone can reach that common goal and not to take it personally. Yes. Yes. Get the conflict out of the way. Yeah. To do that, you got to address it. (laughs) Right. Jamil, how can people learn more about you and your organization? Educationworks.org. And we're here. We're ready. We're very proud that we're able to support educators and schools and school districts and organizations and corporations. You know, the needs are growing exponentially during this time, and we're there to step up and provide that support. And so educators, teachers, schools, you know, we have a number of opportunities where we can be helpful and supportive. And then people that need work, young people that need to re-engage into the workforce, and then corporations that want to provide those pipeline opportunities for youth, you know, we're here and we can collaborate. And so we're an email or a call away. So (laughs) educationworks.org. Wonderful. Jamil, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. And thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Socola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thank you for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.